no national polls are going to determine who the next president of the United States is going to be. The people who are going to determine who's got a chance to be the next president of the United States are the people in the first in the nation primary in New Hampshire and the people in the first in the nation caucus in Iowa. Not any executives in any suite in New York City um, and not any pollsters sitting in some strip mall somewhere making phone calls. From WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio, it's the Christie Tracker. It's really not a big setback, but I, I obviously don't prefer it. I'd, I'd rather be on the other stage where I was for the first three. We feel great momentum in New Hampshire and in Iowa both. I'm practical, okay? I'm not saying I'm up here because I love you. I do. I'm David First. It's been a bumpy month for the Christie campaign. First, things are cruising along. He gets a good response to his third debate performance, shows a bump in the polls in New Hampshire, has this video of him talking compassionately about drug addiction go absolutely viral. Then the sudden jolt. He promptly gets booted off the main stage for the fourth debate. Today we're going to uh, talk about that viral video and drug treatment in New Jersey with Philadelphia Inquirer reporter Amy Rosenberg. But here to talk about this strange position Christie finds himself in and with analysis on the not-ready-for-prime-time debate is Matt Katz, who covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio and WNYC. Hey, Matt. Hi, David. Governor Christie at the table with Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum, and Bobby Jindal. This this can't be where he thought he would be in November. No, I mean, it is, uh, it is quite the step down. I mean, these are not prominent American politicians. Rick Santorum hasn't won an election in 15 years. He won the Iowa caucus uh, last time around, but then is now polling uh, terribly in Iowa. He's uh, almost in last place. Bobby Jindal is not considered a serious presidential contender. Mike Huckabee runs for president all the time. Uh, these, this is not your, your A-team of Republicans, for sure. The governor found himself on stage with them and had to suck it up. Had to suck it up. So, you know, how did he do? I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he won. He looked like the teenager at the kids' table. Um, He looked like, you know, there's always a kid at the kids' table at Thanksgiving who looks too old to belong, but he's not quite ready for the adult table. And that was sort of where Christy was. He just looked uh, more polished, more disciplined more in control and more on message. I believe the greatness of America is not in its government. The greatness of America is in the American people. And what we need to do is get the government the hell out of the way and let the American people win once again. And sure enough, I mean, the immediate reaction from the punditry was that he won. Esteemed political analyst Larry Sabato tweeted the second the debate finished, quote, easy call, undercard winner is Christie, loser is Jindal, argue amongst yourselves about Huckabee and Santorum. Right. And I don't know what it means, right? I mean, it could totally be outshined by the main debate. And days from now, we could just be talking about the main debate and everybody will forget the Christie performance. But I thought he did a couple of uh, very important things. Um, First, Jindal kept punching up, man. I mean, he kept jabbing and poking and clawing at Christie. Under your leadership in New Jersey, your budget's gone up 15%. It's gone down 26% in Louisiana. It has gone up $5 billion in New Jersey. It's gone down $9 billion in Louisiana. In New Jersey, you've had nine credit downgrades setting a record. We've had eight credit upgrades in Louisiana. And Christie would not take the bait. And I think that was important for two reasons. First, He got to reiterate this message that he's been 
consistently been focusing on in the last few weeks, and that is Hillary is the enemy. Believe me, Hillary Clinton's coming for your wallet, everybody. Don't worry about Huckabee or Jindal. Worry about her. <laughs> he brought up Hillary as often as he could. Hillary's the enemy. Hillary's the enemy. That allows him to get out of having to, you know, get down in the dirt with other losing Republicans, which only could open himself up for attacks. It allows him to prove to the Republican base that he is the most electable and that he's the one who's in who's best positioned to beat Hillary is the strongest, sharpest arguments against her. Um, so it did that. It also did something else. And this is a little bit more subtle. Christie, long before Bridgegate, long before he hugged President Obama, one of the main knocks against him was that he didn't have the temperament to be president, that he that he was he, he was too quick to fly off the handle, that he was out of control by not hitting Jindal back by absorbing those punches. Christie showed a serious amount of self-control, proved that he has more of a mature temperament than he's been given credit for in the past. You know, the differences between me and Bobby Jindal, we can talk about those. And obviously, Bobby wants to spend a lot of time tonight talking about that. I'll tell you what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what's going to happen to this country if we have another four years of Barack Obama's policies. By the way, Jindal was making like legitimate points about New Jersey and the economy and Christie's economic record. And he talked about all the credit downgrades. These are questions that he's been like, you know, hasn't had to answer during these debates, but he was not getting into it with Jindal. It's interesting. I complimented Bobby. Imagine how much time he'd want if I actually criticized him. <laughs> I mean, you know, the fact is he's done, he's done a nice job down in Louisiana. and I don't have any problem with the job he's done. Two lines from the evening were particularly surprising to me. One was blaming the New Jersey pension crisis on Obamacare, and the other was that uh, Christie apparently is ready for World War III with China. They're building those artificial islands in the South China Sea, and the president won't, up until recently, wouldn't sail a ship within 12 miles or fly a plane over it. I'll tell you this, the first thing I'll do with the Chinese is I'll throw, I'll fly Air Force One over those islands. They'll know we mean business. Yeah, he's been uh, among the most hawkish people among the Republicans, and that's saying a lot. I mean, he's talked about uh, flying over the South China Sea. Uh, He's talked about building up troops in Eastern Europe to stare down Putin um, and gave the same uh, spiel about flying Air Force One over the uh, the islands in China. I mean, it, it sounds great, though. And if you feel that America's been weak and if you feel that we haven't been wielding a strong enough stick on the international stage during the Obama years, then this sounds wonderful to you. How much of Christie's language during this debate was directed at New Hampshire? It seems like a good deal. I mean, he opened with an anecdote from a woman talking about economic anxiety that he met in New Hampshire. I said, what are your concerns? And she said, I don't quite how to describe it. She said, but every month when my bills come in, I feel this awful anxiety in the pit of my stomach that I'm not going to have enough money to pay them that month. There are tens of millions of Americans living that way after the worst recovery from an economic recession since World War II. This is a New Hampshire strategy. Even the fact that he's going to be in Iowa this week is a New Hampshire strategy because he wants to do well enough in Iowa in order to do well enough in New Hampshire. He wants to have at least a little bit of a legitimacy coming out of the Iowa caucuses in order to finish in the top three in New Hampshire. 
I mean, Patrick Murray, a astute political scientist from Monmouth University, tweeted out that everything he said was directed at New Hampshire. Well, before we wrap up, we have to mention the video. This is uh, that video of Christie talking on the campaign trail about a friend from law school who became addicted to painkillers. It has been viewed millions of times. It shows this uh, compassionate side of the governor telling this personal story about the importance of treating addicts with respect and getting them into treatment rather than prison. We need to give them the tools they need to recover because every life is precious. Every life is an individual gift from God. Considering the whole history of Christie as the YouTube governor, this seems like a moment that Christie has been waiting his whole campaign for. Yeah, this is the YouTube governor who's finally getting his YouTube moment in the campaign. I remember talking to a Christie advisor a year and a half ago after Bridgegate, and and he told me, you know, eventually the governor, in a few months, the governor's going to get his YouTube moment, and that's going to, you know, trigger his political recovery. And now, a year and almost two years after Bridgegate, deep into the campaign, when almost all looks lost, he finally gets this unexpected viral moment. It's not a unique story he told, but it, it hit at the right time through the right media of Huffington Post and Facebook, and it has caught fire. We're now at 8 million views. It is far and away the biggest viral video of the 2016 presidential campaign so far. It's fascinating, and and, and this week we've been hearing Christy talk more about this issue and, and, and talk about people on the campaign trail who have been uh, coming up to him and, and thanking him for this video. I've seen it myself in New Hampshire. Um, heroin addiction, drug addiction, this issue comes up all the time. And the governor is very good at relating to people on this matter. His record, though, in New Jersey um, deserves a second look. It is uh, mixed when it comes to drug addiction and the role the state government has played in help directly helping those suffering from this disease. Matt Katz covers Governor Christie for New Jersey Public Radio. Thank you, Matt. Thanks, David. By every measure that we define success in this country, this guy had it. Great-looking guy, well-educated, great career, plenty of money, beautiful, loving wife, beautiful children, great house. He had everything. He's a drug addict, and he couldn't get help, and he's dead. Just as Governor Christie was championing his compassion for drug users, a story in the Philadelphia Inquirer detailed the struggle of a treatment center in Atlantic City. The John Brooks Recovery Center is the only one serving all of South Jersey, and its director, Alan Oberman, says it will close in the spring if it can't find a way to pay for its move. He says the state government wants the center to relocate out of the heart of Atlantic City, but didn't uphold its part of the bargain. We were being told by the state that we would have an increase in our reimbursement rates for all services. We hadn't had an increase in over 10 years, while all other expenses have gone up. That never came to be. We're joined now by Amy Rosenberg, reporter with the Philadelphia Inquirer. Amy, welcome. Hi, thank you. The plan was to move this center out of the tourist zone in Atlantic City because tourists don't like to see people lining up for methadone treatments. How real is this threat of closure? I'd say it's pretty real. They've been talking about making this move since maybe 2007. Um, And everyone has been pretty much in agreement that it has to move off of Pacific Avenue, but it has, they haven't been able to put the pieces together. 
the CRDA, which is the Casino Reinvestment Development Authority, which is the state-controlled agency that funds a lot of projects in Atlantic City, originally was going to fund the entire move because everyone really wanted this off Pacific Avenue. It was definitely an eyesore. And the John Brooks people agreed as well for, for everyone, get it off Pacific Avenue, get it off the heart of the tourism zone. But in the end, the CRDA only agreed to fund the move of the outpatient clinics. Now, they are putting a lot of money toward it. They're buying the buildings for $4.1 million, and they're also contributing another $4 million toward relocating the outpatient clinics to another location in Atlantic City and then to a location offshore in a shopping center in Pleasantville. But the CEO, Oberman, hasn't been able to get the funding for the outpatient facility. Even though he has land, he wants to build a new facility, and he blames the state. He says he can't get a loan because the reimbursement rates are too low, and the state's been talking about raising them, but they haven't done so yet. And he kind of threw up this, uh, what he calls a Hail Mary, um, trying to get the governor's attention, I think in part because you know, he's watching the governor talk about this on the campaign stage and then sort of the classic, meanwhile, back home, he can't put the pieces together. So they, the board took a vote and they said, that's it. We're, gonna, we're not going to be able to continue the residential center as of April. Um, now, the governor's office came back and said, you know, it's not over yet. We still want to help these people. But it clearly got their attention. He blames the state. But... Does this really show a contrast between Governor Christie's seemingly genuine words of compassion and this story about possibly losing a significant number of recovery beds? Or or is this a story unique to Atlantic City and this will get resolved and the governor will make that happen? I think it does show uh, a disconnect between what the governor is saying and, you know, he definitely is genuine. It's obvious, obviously is genuine and dealing for this issue. But then, again, in the nitty-gritty of the streets and the policy and the funding, it doesn't all add up. And I think that's part of the frustration uh, that people in Atlantic City feel uh, about this issue. You know, this guy, the CEO of the John Book Center, about a week ago, he went to the state's Department of Human Services and said, I can't make this work. And they said, we're sorry, there's, you know, there's nothing we can do. Having said that, I, I do think that, you know, he, he is getting a lot of state funding and there is some sense that, you know, maybe he's trying to be ambitious with a whole new facility. And Christie's administration, he says it's not their job to write a check to fund exactly what he thinks uh, has to be done. So it's very frustrating for him. But it did threaten to kind of undercut the governor's message. And I did get a lot of a lot of attention from the governor's press office um, over it. I mean, I, I very rarely get even a call back from them, and I got a long email response. I got, uh, you know, a conference call back with Kevin Roberts, the main spokesman, a second spokesman. I got off the record, on the record. I mean, they really, they, they did not like this. This is a very uh, specific story to Atlantic City. Let's talk a little bit about Christie's general track record on addiction. Uh, In that uh, viral video, the governor tells this incredibly personal story about a friend from law school who uh, became addicted to painkillers. There but for the grace of God go I. It can happen to anyone. And so we need to start treating people in this country, not jailing them. We need to give them the tools they need to recover. How has the Christie administration done with this idea of giving people the tools they need to get better. I mean, on on Fox News Sunday this weekend, Chris Wallace 
challenged him, noting that Christie has opposed building more drug treatment centers in New Jersey. Christie offered a spirited defense. More people are getting drug treatment today in New Jersey than ever before. We have 21 drug courts in all 21 of our counties. Second, I want to see the private sector. In fairness, that started before you were governor. No, excuse me. There were only three drug courts in New Jersey when I started as governor. There are now 21. Okay, so it started, but it started at the level of three. I changed the law to expand it to have drug courts in every county in my state. In terms of beds for patients, he says things are perhaps not where they need to be, but he says New Jersey is doing more now than ever before when it comes to doing something about drug addiction and drug treatment over incarceration. Right. Well, he's definitely expanded uh, the drug courts, so that's definitely a policy. So uh, people are coming out of these courts and going to these long-term beds. I think Alan Oberman in Atlantic City would argue that he has a waiting list all the time, that the reimbursement rates aren't where they should be. Um, but clearly, Christie has put a lot of attention on it. It's, it's something that's important to him. Uh, he was talking about putting pressure on insurance companies to pay for the treatment, for private companies to maybe finance more of these treatment centers. I think they are looking at raising the rates. The governor's office did say that there was a comprehensive review. I think they pushed it into you know the next year for financial reasons. But, you know, there's not a lot of money, um, so so there is a disconnect between, you know, maybe what he wants to do or where he thinks the, the state should be and what's actually available. There's just a crunch for, for all the money. He did talk about um, maybe having some more ideas in the state of the state coming up, so maybe he's got more of a plan to take money, I guess, from the Department of Corrections and put it into Department of Human Services. But right now, you know, it's probably not where it should be. Amy Rosenberg, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Amy Rosenberg, reporter with the Philadelphia Inquirer. The Christie Tracker Podcast is a production of WNYC and New Jersey Public Radio. Thanks to associate producer Joseph Capriglione. Our theme music is by 29-Hour Music People. You can subscribe to the Christie Tracker Podcast on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and you can follow Matt Katz at MattKatz00. That's Matt, K-A-T-Z. I'm David First, and in case you missed it, here's a 21-second summary of Christie at this week's debate. Secretary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, wait till you see what Hillary Clinton will do. Hillary Clinton's coming for your wallet, everybody. Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Who's going to be able to beat Hillary Clinton? Who's going to keep their eye on the ball? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. Barack Obama. Hillary Clinton. Secretary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was asked the enemy she's most proud of, and she said Republicans. Republicans.